most unconventional strategy of all the unconventional strategies that we deployed at Regrant, because we have been very non-traditional in how we've raised capital, has been to tap into the power of our customers, actually, and our community of support. Uh, we like to think about you know, our business as being something that is uh, you know, for the betterment of a broad range of, of stakeholders, including our investors, and we can kind of merge those two. It, it can be really exciting. And so specifically what that looked like, and we've done this twice now, uh, we've done equity crowdfunding. We were one of the first food companies to do equity crowdfunding from non-accredited investors. Back in 2018, we raised about three quarters of a million dollars out of our round at the time from that. Um, and then when we went on and did a, a follow-on round, um, you know, which uh, included some institutional investors as well, we actually created a, a vehicle for our equity crowdfunders to reinvest. And so now we have this, this cap table that um, you know, reflects, in addition to some more, maybe what would be conventionally considered strategic capital from you know, large partners, uh, we also have over a thousand just ordinary people that actually own a piece of our business. Some of them put in a hundred bucks, others put in literally a hundred thousand. We had an equity crowdfunding person put in a, a six figure check, you know, into, into our business. And so I think it's a very overlooked um, path to capital. That's, that's largely because it's, it's relatively new and pretty widely misunderstood. And I'm a huge advocate for founders, be them mission driven or otherwise to, to look at equity crowdfunding as a, as a viable you know, source of, of funding for the capital stack. Man, that's so good. Can, I mean, congrats on that. I So the, the two things I want to kind of dive into is uh, first, like as be, working at a VC firm in Silicon Valley, it was always like our uh, the hair on the back of our necks kind of sit up when we heard that a, a company that we were looking into investing in was doing crowdfunding because, and I, and I don't, I can't tell you all the reasons, but it was just kind of like, uh, like this is going to be messy like just partnering alongside crowdfunders and all that, but you, you have an example of, you're saying you had the non-accredited investors investing as well as institutional uh, investors. What yeah. were some of the things, what were some of the objections that you heard and how, you, how did you overcome those with your institutional who, who came in on that later round? Yeah. Well, some of them actually saw it as an asset, right? That this was, this was an idea, you know, our business is focused on kind of rethinking the food system and what we consider to be waste and creating new ingredients and working with other food companies around developing new products using new supply chains that close the loop. Like it's a pretty new idea, even though it's rooted in some pretty old wisdom, if you, you know, if you really think about it, but the having, you know, a kind of this democratized approach to capitalizing the business also as a way of, of showing proof of concept, right. And showing traction. So I think there was uh, a point there. Part of the other aspect of it was that we were pretty strategic in how we structured, you know, these, these rounds, which I think you have to be with, with equity crowdfunding. Um, and it's really important to be very clear about, you know, the, and, and really understand as a founder, what the implications are in your governance structure from, from doing this. So, and, it, and this has evolved quite a bit. There's actually been even in the last uh, year, there was a lot of changes at the SEC that made it even easier for companies to, to keep everything clean from a governance perspective as it relates to equity crowdfunding. The way it works today, typically, is you have, um, you, you elect a lead investor for that entire class of voters. So there's actually only one, if you ever need to go get signatures or anything like that, there's actually only one person that you, that you go to. If you're doing a, a, you know, strategically thinking about how you pick that lead investor as well, it can be, someone who's maybe uh, like for us, we picked an experienced founder uh, that 
you know, had had an exit and was able to invest, but he wasn't going to, you know, we were, he wasn't going to write like a huge check for the business. He's just an individual, but he's the the lead investor for this, you know, class of, of groups. So it kind of, it acts as a, um, it's like a custodian structure, you know, now you can actually do SPVs as well. Now special purpose vehicles, the first time around that this, the, the regulatory, you know, infrastructure wasn't really in place to do it as a SPV. Um, and so the way that what we did is we had all of our investors sign a proxy over their voting rights. And so as um, chief executive, actually, I have uh, the, you know, the voting power for that class of voters, because obviously we're not going to be going to 700 people to say, hey, what do you think of, of what we're doing? What, what, and, and the upside is also huge from a, a marketing perspective. So anytime we launch a new product, we can go to this group of people first and say, hey, we're launching this new product here are some asks related to making sure that it's successful or, Hey, we're running into um, an issue in this area and we're looking for, you know, a, a group with this particular background or an individual like, Hey, investors, you own our, our mission and our success with us. Do you have any referrals, you know, for that? And so it kind of creates this really engaged pod around the business. That's even more specific than like, you know, like than, than the customers, um, you know, it, it can be really powerful. And so I think really understanding what the implications are for, for governance, but also what the uh, kind of less maybe quantifiable upside, you know, is of, of doing this. And I think any business that has uh, an aspect of consumer education around what they're doing, um, you know, especially companies that have products is great. And then the mission, you know, mission-driven businesses, businesses that are leading with purpose, that you know are uh, caring about what they're doing for the planet, you know, having you know th this this group of people, uh, you know, kind of have this democratic access to to investing where they otherwise wouldn't is really on is really on mission and can help you kind of you know live live up to that um, as well. Oh, that is that is cool. I can only imagine because you know it's one thing to have a beta group of of customers that you reach out to when you're about to launch and just who are engaged and care about that and maybe have written checks or you know given you credit cards. But it's a whole other thing when they're actually owners of the business and you have that kind of number scale. That's uh, that is they're going to respond to your emails, <laughs> I'm sure, when they've given you money. So thank you for that. The the next thing I wanted to dive into is really just like if I'm considering crowdfunding, what is step one? that I need to do, like just if, as early as you can go into the process? Yeah, I think it's uh, the way to think about it, in my opinion, actually, is to look at your overall capital needs and then to determine what portion of the capital stack you ideally would want to come from from equity crowdfunding. And as long as you, you, know, you can set it up so you don't necessarily cap the you know, the upside. So if the equity crowdfunding piece oversubscribes, that can actually be great, uh, you know, uh, around like reducing stress around the rest of the round. Um, and so actually think about not this, you know, more meta than just this particular, uh, you know, aspect of raising money, but like what, what's the whole round look like and how does this fit into fit into that? Um, I think it's actually very helpful if you're able to first, if, if possible for your business to find a lead investor to set the term, set the valuation, if you're at that stage where it's a priced round, and then use that as the financial terms. Um, not They won't have the same like governance rights as we discussed earlier, but this set the financial terms like the valuation, especially uh, for the follow-on investor, because that creates a level of of trust and validation for these people that are investing. They're saying, hey, look, you know, this, uh, you know, sophisticated, more sophisticated investor has signed up at this valuation at these terms, and I'm able to then follow on to that. From there, I would say, you know, a, a don't is to, 
obsess over the video and some of the like marketing assets of that, that'll all come together. Um, you know, what's more important is just really being confident and comfortable, you know, with the, with the story of, of where you're trying, of where you're taking, taking the business and how you can connect, you know, connect people to that. Um, working with a great partner is really important too. And I would, I would start early on reaching out to the various platforms that are out there. What I'll say is it's kind of like joining a, a gym or something like that, where, you know, you're still going to have to do the work when you, when you get in there, but there are uh, a wide, wide number of partners. We had an amazing experience with WeFunder. Um, WeFunder is really at the forefront of, of equity crowdfunding. They are literally like on Capitol Hill, also helping to craft the legislation around, you know, what this is going to look like for the next generation of, uh, of businesses. And so, you know, working with a partner that really understands equity crowdfunding and, um, you know, rely on them to tell you also what to do to be successful. Because in our experience, they'll pick up what you're putting down, show them that you're going to invest the time in uh, into making sure that this campaign is successful. And, you know, they'll work, they'll work, they will work with you, you know, on that. So, um, you know, worry about the marketing materials later, focus on what, what your actual needs are, find a lead investor to set the terms, and that, you know, the platforms to decide who you want to go, you know, who you want to go forward with. Boom. Daniel, this has been amazing, man. Thank you so much for your time and congrats on the success with this. Thank you so much. No, it's a pleasure to chat about this. And it's great that we're able to have so many people uh, literally invested in that success with us. So <laughs> it's, it's really cool, man. What, it, it, what's the best way that if I'm a founder that I could reach out if I wanted to learn a little bit more uh, just try, just within the community? Is it LinkedIn yeah, or Twitter? Yeah, like many <laughs> founders, I think for better or worse, I'm incredibly easy to find. So I'm just, uh, I'm Dan at regrained.com. Um, I'm very active on, on LinkedIn and actually uh, also collaborated with Forbes on an article about equity crowdfunding specifically. Um, that would be, you know, also a good, good next place to look to, you know, there's an interview that we did about some kind of best practices around this in greater detail. Oh, that's cool, man. Well, thank you so much for, for being on this and uh, for being on the top VC. I look forward to staying in touch. Yeah, likewise. Cheers.